I have called you all here today at the behest of Don DiManzo to discuss the expansion of our Jersey territory. Our Don has seen an opportunity to move into Atlantic City at an event called AC Boardwalk Con, which will be happening May 14th through the 17th, 2015. Don DiManzo has asked that some of our made men attend this convention and convince the locals to try two true freaks. Joining me, Gene Hendricks, on this trip will be my Quantum Cast cohort, Jeff Fishman. Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero, will be representing the Boston arm of the family, while Scott McGregor will be representing the New York branch. Our capo, Chris Honeywell, will also be there to provide some added... persuasion. Your Don has asked that any of his loyal friends in the area come and pay their respects to this new endeavor. He reminds you that all the information on the event can be found at doacbc.com. That's doacbc.com. Come help us make Atlantic City an offer they can't refuse. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hey, you know what? There's another name you might know me by. Star-Lord. Who? Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. Guys, move! Question. What if I see something that I want to take and it belongs to someone else? Well, you will be arrested. But what if I wanted more than the person who has it? Still illegal. That doesn't follow. No, I wanted more, sir. You understand? What are you laughing at? It's just a metaphor, dude. His people are completely literal. Metaphors are gonna go over his head. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I will catch it. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're an imbecile. Star Prince. Star Lord. Oh, sorry, Lord. I picked this guy up a while back for petty thefts. He's got a code name. <laughs> Come on, man. It's, it's an outlaw name. Let's relax, Pepper. It's cool to have a code name. It's not that weird. Hello, and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is our commentary catch up month, week number four. And oh my God, I could not be more excited because this time around, we are going to cover my favorite film of last year. And uh, honestly, one of my favorite films uh, of all time at this point, Guardians of the Galaxy. Super, super excited about this. But I am putting the cart before the horse. My name is Scott Gardner, and I am joined as always by my very best friend, Chris Honeywell. I got some ketchup in my back pocket. <laughs> Is there a bun in the other one? I'm chewing on it. 
<laughs> I'm gooming it. So finally here. I am so I mean I've enjoyed the other ones so much that we've done, but this was the big one. This was the one I was itching to get to. But yeah, uh, I'm I glad mean, that it This it one isn't gonna be any surprise, I think. This one it, of all the movies, at least people know how we feel about this one. Oh, absolutely. And I gotta well, I, I hope they do anyway. And I gotta say, you know, we've been in a line we've we've been in alignment on all this is the fourth movie. Uh, fifth movie in a row if you count the commentary we did last month before these so so this is a fifth commentary in a row where we've been in, in total agreement pretty much on the movies all that gets blown to hell next week <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say <laughs> next week that might not be the case but uh <laughs> and then we blow yeah. it all to hell at the end <laughs> Now, have you rewatched that one yet? I have not had. I've been oh, working okay. too much, and I've had. I've had to keep myself in a good mood. <laughs> or you gotta, you gotta rewatch it before it's time. I, I have rewatched it, and uh, and I am fully prepared for that one. But I will. This time around, you know, I, I'm looking forward to this on so many levels. For one thing, I, I just enjoy watching the movie, and I hope I remember to talk and don't just get sucked into watching it again. But um, I just, I enjoyed this movie on so many levels. I, as you know, was super psyched going into this. I was really worked up for this movie on a lot of levels. I, I want to save a lot of why I was so psyched up for it for when we're actually uh, watching the movie and commenting on it. But I was. I was really excited going into it. And as it got closer and closer and it became more and more real to me, I started to get that nervous feeling again. Like, uh, you know, every time I get worked up like this, it's always such a disappointment. And then... Uh, at Hollywood Studios at, at Walt Disney World, they had a preview of it uh, over in in one of the park, you know, in the park in um, in the old uh, ABC uh, Sound Theater, and it was a good chunk of the movie. Uh, it's pretty much where it's just after the the opener of the film, just after the uh, the the Marvel uh, logo comes out, we cut to the planet to Morag, I think is the name of it. And there's that whole sequence where, where Peter gets the orb and there's the chase sequence and he takes his ship and flies away. That entire sequence, which is what I'd, I'd guess it's probably about um, between five and ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, about eight entire, minutes long. Yeah, yeah. that entire scene was the preview and they, they showed it in, in the real 3D and everything. And I was just blown away. I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait for this. So I just kept going back to it over and over and over. And I probably watched that preview, I don't know, at least a dozen times. And every time I saw it, it just got me more and more worked up for it. Plus, they, as you were waiting for the preview to start, they were playing the soundtrack album as well. Now, not the not the one with the uh, 70s music, but the one, the, the actual score album. And so that got me psyched for, up for it quite a bit as well, because I really like the score for this movie. So I was very excited. Plus, this was... Uh, something where I had tried to do my homework as much as possible before going into it because I had a passing familiarity with the characters that were in the movie but didn't understand how these very diverse characters had come together to be called the Guardians of the Galaxy because they clearly were not the Guardians I remembered from when I was a kid so I actually went you know, to the comic source to, to find that out and, and get up to speed on that and that is some great material, some really good comics. So that had me that much more excited that I was, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, you know, if they do this half as well as the comics, this is going to be a really fun movie. And of course, I, I think it turned out to be that way, even though it does take some liberties with that source material as well. So 
that's kind of where my head was uh, going into this. Now, what did you think? What what prep did you have, if any, going into this? Um, I was a big fan of Rocket Raccoon as a kid. Uh-huh. Um, but I knew I, mostly Rocket Raccoon from the solo miniseries. Right. I was just gonna say you had this. You had that, right? Yeah, that I had that. I do not that have that the... anymore. I, I went on eBay to see if I could pick it up because I'd love to have a copy of it, but no. <laughs> Yeah, I not right it's now. <laughs> probably pretty pricey. Now that was, I, as I remember anyway, I think that was Mike Mignola that did the art on that. It, it was Mike Mignola and Bill Mantello. Yeah, but, and I, you know, I've come to really like Bill. I mean, I liked Bill Mantello as a kid, but I've come to like in the last few years, well, especially you know, since Guardians, I've come to really, really like his stuff. I really respect, you know, his writing and everything. But I remember when that mini was coming out, and the reason I didn't get into it, and especially why I didn't buy it as a kid, is I, I never liked uh, Mignola's art. I still don't really like it. I Mignola's really art. liked it. It was weird. I, it, yeah, I liked it. I, I think that was one of his first things. It. What? Yeah. I, I think that was one of his first projects, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I got it just because I was like, what? Rock, Rocket Raccoon. And I'm like, it sounds like the Beatles song. And I, right. I opened up the first page, and it basically paraphrased the Beatles song. That's how right. it began the story. It was like somewhere out in the, you know, Alpha Centauri, there was a rocket raccoon. And I was just like, okay, I'm sold on this. This is crazy, <laughs> you know? And Marvel was doing some weird, you know, weird, funny shit then. They were doing, like, Obnoxio the Clown one-shots and stuff like that. Right. So it was, I, I sort of chalked it up to that, but, you know... The mini, it was just really well done, and I was like, I really like this character. And um, then I think, uh, I don't even know if the movie had been announced, but I, you guys had me read some sort of reboot of it um, for Get right. the Superhero comic. Yeah, I think that was the zero issue of the current Guardian series right. that we had. It was the origin of Star Lord, right? It's basically, the beginning of the movie. It was basically, you know, you know, it wasn't the same story exactly, but it was a, it was very similar. Right. His mother and stuff. It was more. It was way more shaded in. But that's about all I had to it. I didn't suffer the like. Eh, maybe this movie is not going to be any good because. To me, just the sheer fact that it was going to exist was so ballsy mm -hmm. that they had to have a vision behind it. Somebody, somebody had to be like, look, I can make this movie and convince them. And if you can convince them that you're going to get Groot, you're, you're, you're going to make Groot and Rocket Raccoon characters in a movie. Not only that, but, you know, when the movie came out, Groot and Rocket Raccoon are a thing. Groot, arguably, more than Rocket Raccoon. Right. Everybody was talking about Rocket Raccoon before, and then afterwards, everybody is all, is all in love with Groot, and you got the dancing Groots and everything. So, yeah, I knew they had something up their sleeve. I knew there was, you know, there's no way that movie would have been put out if there wasn't some super confidence behind it you know well what had me jazzed about it because you know several and i'm not going to call any of them out you know by name but several of my my very close friends were like dude why why are you so excited about this movie you know why do you care especially you know the ones that really know me and know that up until very recently i could really give a rat's ass about marvel cosmic 
they seemed genuinely mystified by why I was so excited about this movie. And the thing was, there was a great teaser poster when they first announced the movie. One of the first images that we got was this great poster that showed all the Guardians just standing there. And I think it just said, you're welcome. on It said something about, you know, from the people that brought you the Avengers. And then at the bottom, I believe it was, it said, you're welcome. And that, I liked that kind of cheeky tone. Yeah, that very ballsy, very cheeky tone to it. Like, okay, we pulled off the Avengers. Here's here's a thank you to the fans. We're you know we've we made the Avengers work. A movie that you know you and I have stated this before. I think we said it during our, our commentary for the Avengers. The Avengers should not work. If you really look at the formula, I I and, I'll, and I'll the, be very honest with you. I when I was not very excited about the Avengers movie at all is until right before it, mm-hmm. and and that was only because the movies built up to it so well. Right. But when they, you know, when they said, we're making an Avengers movie, you know, 45 years from today and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I, I wasn't like poo poo, but I was just like, eh, I don't care. You know, I never, I never read the Avengers or whatever. And I was like, eh, you know, it sounds like it could be actor soup and blah, 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 whatever. It just didn't seem very appealing to me until it was almost up there. And then. By the time it's getting up there, I'm like, by the time it, the build-up to the Avengers was there, I had realized these guys know what they're doing, and they've got a big, long-term plan. And I was, and I'd been sucked into all the movies up to it, you know. Right. So, I was ready for it. And this, I, I, you know, let's hope this fan, this film proves that when you say thank you to the fans, you get a, you know, a quadrillion dollars. Right. Well, that was the thing was going into the Avengers, I was hopeful, but cautious and nervous because, I mean, let's face it, we had five great movies leading up to the Avengers, but they were all solo films. You know, we had two Iron Mans, we had the Hulk, we had Thor, we had Captain America. They all worked on various levels. They were all great movies on various levels. But now you've got the Avengers. Now you're throwing them all together. And as you say, that could have been, should have been, uh, you know, just a recipe for it disaster. Could it, it could have been a mess. It could have been. Fighters and, you know. Right. But it worked. And they, they pulled it off. So that fact that they had all those movies leading up to it, and then they had the Avengers. And then, you know, you go past Avengers you have the one that I consider a bit of a miss, which was Iron Man 3. It's still an entertaining movie, but I do consider that one something of a miss. I have to watch it again. I really liked Iron Man 3. I mean, I like I say, I liked it, and I, you know, I, we'll, we'll get into that at some point. We'll have to do a commentary yeah. or, or a discussion episode or something for Iron Man uh, 3. Uh, you had Thor The Dark World, which I liked at the time, but then in a post Guardians, you know, after Guardians was out there, going back and rewatching Thor the Dark World, I appreciate it on so many more levels now. But I liked it at the time. So you had, you know, a combined total of, of those. Uh, also, there was uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, you know, so you had that, that combined total of what is that, like eight movies or no, nine movies at yeah. that point. So nine movies that are pretty spectacular and they had just. You know, when you when you put Avengers, Avengers is the big one in there. You put Avengers into that mix, and it's like, 
you've got me at this point. I, I have total faith in whatever you want to bring me. So that combined with that ballsiness of going, you know, with the with the poster that they released and the, the you're welcome thing. Well, and also, just the fact that this seemed like them. Well, Guardians, kinda, I put Guardians on the level of the Avengers for a Marvel release as mm-hmm. more than just like I don't put I put Guardians on a, as far as like the amount of money and time and stuff that they poured into it. It's similar to the uh, the special effects. It's similar to the Avengers, whereas like you know the Iron Man movies from the get go were like full production. The Thor movies were like, eh, let's take the budget down a little bit, give them a chance. You know, we'll see how Thor does. And Thor was a hit. You know, so right. Um, you would think with this being like, ah, let's do something experimental. They would go the Thor route and be like, let's do this medium. Exactly. But instead, they and they didn't. Yeah, they, this they did is, not. this is a this is a you know tentpole movie, exactly. big time, and uh, and that's risky because you got Avenger. You know, with you, I was picture, picturing the Avengers movies were just going to be the tentpole movies, and all the other ones would be would be big budget, full motion pictures, but not like to that extent you know not to the huge marketing and everything and true that was that was paid off yeah it certainly did it was an incredibly ballsy move that really did pay off incredibly well i mean somebody at marvel and somebody at dc or excuse me at disney rather really had faith in this project project and that shows in you know the well, the attention and the money that they I, lavished on it to to get it to that level. I and hope, yeah, it, it, and it, I hope it pays off in the future. Whereas to, it's added untold money to the Marvel, you know, movie larder, and it's also shown other people making movies everywhere that like you can go full imaginative, <laughs> you can go mm-hmm. full ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's a talking raccoon in a tree and. Blah blah blah, mm. and they fly around in the ship, and blah blah blah. You can you can do that, and it doesn't ma- it doesn't it doesn't even appeal to a certain demographic. It go you know, you need all ages coming to Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy to pay for that budget, and they did it with both of them. So, it's just a good sign for, and it, and it sort of proves that you can pull it off if you do it well. <laughs> You can't oh, just absolutely. slap something like Guardians of the Galaxy together. You're you're asking for a Howard the Duck or something like that, you know? Right. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I I think it's it's a wonderful example of if you believe in your material, if you play it straight, you can still have a hell of a lot of fun with it. But you can make it work and you can make it appeal, and it does. I mean. You know, so many of my non-comic, non-geek friends love this movie and came to me after and like, have you seen yep. Guardians? It's great. And they knew nothing about it going in, but they were still able to to find something to love in it. And like you say, everybody loves Groot. Who who even knew who Groot was before this movie beyond like serious, hardcore comic book people? Who even knew who that character was? Now he's, you know, he's as big as like Chewbacca or something. He's he's out there he's in the very public Chewbacca, yeah. I think that's awesome. I, I think that's incredible. And that's, you know, in so many ways, one of the great things I really like about this, and I know this sounds a little bit mean-spirited, and I don't really mean it that way, but 
One of the great things about this movie is, and, and I'm hoping this becomes a side effect of it, I'm hoping it shames DC into going, look, you act like you're embarrassed about your franchises you know, and, and your characters and everything. This is a great example yeah. of embrace it. Yeah, embrace. Okay. yeah the, the, this franchise is, is walking down the street in its Speedo like Cash, drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Does not care. It, exactly. Doesn't That's care. what it's doing. He's going, hey, 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 hey. Yep. Hey, Swagger. Lady. Oh, don't fall in. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And and everybody's go- and everybody's standing on the side of the road going, hey, Pete. <laughs> yep. Hey, look, it's Pete. Yep. Exactly. There you go. Absolutely. Let Pete be Pete. You <laughs> see? Now, Brace as far as the somebody- hash. <laughs> As far as some of the other characters, did you ever read um, any Star-Lord? Because I I don't know when I got it exactly. I might have bought it off the rack. I don't remember. But there was that great, uh, like, deluxe format uh, reprinting that they did. Uh, I think it was released right around the time when you were you and I were kids collecting comics. It was the reprinting of the, uh, the Claremont and Byrne stuff no, with Star-Lord. I've, did you I've, ever read that? I've read some of it here and there recently. Because there's little bits of it in the back of my Star Wars weeklies mm-hmm. that I that I have, but yep. that's about it. And then I was reading those a little while ago and going, "Oh, son of a bitch, John Byrne." <laughs> yep. How awesome is that? And Terry Austin, come on. I have it. I read it, you know, way back when. I haven't reread it since. I don't remember it really matching up or really mirroring right. the feel of any of this but that that kind of gave me a passing familiarity with the with the character rocket you know i knew from the hulk and from like that mini and things like that uh drax i remembered from there was a great thor uh storyline that crossed over between thor and a couple of other I, I know warlock was one of them i forget what the other ones were but it was this series called blood and thunder where thor just kind of went nuts in the cosmic part of marvel and, and he ended up uh meeting up with and fighting all these other cosmic characters i remember uh, uh adam warlock was in there i remember um drax was in there although he was a very different drax then and I think Gamora might have been in that as well, but she was the one character going into this I really didn't know very well. I, I, I knew she kind of hung around with Adam Warlock, but I really didn't know who the hell she was or, or understand her whole backstory. I didn't realize her connection with uh, with Thanos and all that. And uh, the, the one that I felt like I knew the most, uh, you know, and, and I say that very loosely, was Groot. Because I had bought a collection, it's going back, I don't know, five, ten years ago. I bought a collection somewhere, I don't know, like a yard sale or something. And in that collection was this uh, this old copy of Tales, I think it was Tales to Astonish? It was either Tales to Astonish or Tales of Suspense. Let me see, I looked this up earlier so I could remember what. I remember the number was number 13, but I can never remember if it was Tales to Astonish or Tales... Tales to Astonish, that's what it was. Tales to Astonish number 13. It was November 1960. And uh, that was actually a Stan Lee and and Jack Kirby book. This was pre-Fantastic Four. And Groot was right there on the cover and everything. And I bought it, you know, got it as part of this collection. I kept it for a while, and then I ended up putting it up on eBay. And I want to say I got like 50 or 60 bucks out of it, which I I thought was great. Oh, (laughs) yeah, no kidding. In the condition that I had and everything, I probably could have got, I don't know, maybe hundreds of dollars, maybe even, I don't know, a thousand or something. Because I've, I've, 
went right after the movie came out. I went to eBay just kind of out just of curiosity. To torture yourself? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it was torture too. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me! But I mean, whoever imagined Groot would be a movie star? You know. But uh, it's just you know it's so weird the way things go. And then you know my wife wonders why I never want to get rid of any of my I, comics. I anymore. looked up Hulk one eighty one <laughs> one day, and that was the last I looked up comics that I used to have. <laughs> yeah, that is not one you want to look up these days without owning one, because that'll just make you want to shoot yourself. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, dude. Come on, let's get this sucker going. All right, I am so psyched I, for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this. All right, so we are paused, of course, on the DVD at zero, zero. So I'm going to go ahead and do the honors on this okay. one because I am so ready to get into this. All right, so I'm going to do the three, two, one, go. So here we go. Three, two, one, go. All right, we are a go for Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, this is my favorite opening of any of the Marvel films, and, I, and I'll tell you why when we get to the moment. It's not necessarily for this part or anything. It's the part leading into the Marvel, uh, the Marvel logo. I just love it. I, I love how the kids' scream just goes right into that great piece of music by... Um, Oh, what's his name? Something Tyler. I can't think of his name. He composed it for Thor the Dark World. This guy looks very familiar to me, but yeah, I can't remember where I've seen him from. His body language, especially that like bad back body language that he has. <laughs> now, what did you think of the, the use of all the old music in this? It, brilliant. Well, the funny thing is, is um, Hooked on a Feeling is it, this movie is just like balls flying all over the place because Hooked on a Feeling is so if you're a Quentin Tarantino or, you know, 90s, we're around a 90s film. That movie is so hooked into the movie um, Reservoir Dogs. Right. It's always been associated with it. And uh this movie scarfed it right away. It became kind of the, in the trailers anyway, it became kind of the theme song of the movie in a lot of ways. Well, I, I and and now all the 20-somethings at work, when they pull their iPhones <laughs> out, that song, it, pretty much the soundtrack to this is on their iPhones now. Right. Which is, you know, giving them a, a, they're starting to get an appreciation for the, for good music of that good pop music of that time period. Now, I, I hope this doesn't sound insensitive because I realize that she's supposed to be dying of whatever cancer, leukemia, whatever. But I couldn't help. But when you first see her in this scene, I immediately thought of Moon Dragon, who is in the comics connected to the Guardians and the whole Marvel cosmic thing. It's simply because of the shaved head and everything, but I really did think of that and couldn't help but wonder if that's maybe who she would turn out to be or somehow connected to that character. I don't really think so now, but that was definitely the first thought that I had was, oh my God, is that Moon Dragon? I don't know if you remember that character or not. No. And I do like you know, that she mentions no, 
you know his father coming from the stars and all that. I, I think that was kind of neat. They all act, you know, the family all acts like they think that she's just having some sort of delusion or something. But I thought that that was interesting. I always kind of wondered what the grandfather knows here if he if he knows anything about um, Peter's role parentage or anything. Evidently, there was a scene that ended up getting cut from the film at the end that actually flashed back to the grandfather on Earth, kind of kind of pining for Peter, but the director thought it was just. It's it not, kind of spoiled the mood because yeah, it ends on such here. an upbeat. Yeah, I love. No, this I part. like that. This is pretty much the. This is all they give you of Earth. Because you know, that brief little intro, it was so easy to forget. You're watching a Marvel movie set in this fantastic universe. That was a very. I love this. He starts screaming. It goes right into Brian Tyler's. Ah, oh, just gives me goosebumps. I love this piece of music so much. I just I love that opening. It's so great. It's it's almost it's like a it's like a cinematic bait and switch. You think you're getting this, you know, this uh, character like oxygen, story. yeah, oxygen network, you know, movie of the week type of thing, you know, with its care, you know, the dying mother and all that, and then it suddenly it switches to science fiction. I love it. It's great. Now starting right here with Morag, this this is where the the preview. Uh, that I kept going over to, you know, going to over and over again. This is where this started. Now, did you see this in 3D? I believe I did. Oh, beautiful in 3D. So cool in 3D. I, I really, I want to go out and get a 3D TV now, just, just to watch this again. That's, <laughs> yeah, just for this movie. I've thought about that. I've thought um, Scott 2.0 has got a 3D TV over at his house. We've never, we've never watched anything. Because there's just so few things where the 3D effect is is fluidly built into it, you know. This one isn't like your Prometheus or your um, oh, what is it with the blue guys there? Avat or Avatar, Avatar yeah. where it was filmed that you know filmed that way, but they filmed it obviously with it in mind, and it was just really nice, you know. It wasn't obtrusive or um. In your, you know, in your face, you know they weren't throwing things at you and stuff. I love the sound design in this because when Peter comes walking up, for the, you know, in the scene just leading up to this, that sound of him walking sounds like somebody crinkling an aluminum can. I just, I, I love that. It's probably what it actually was. It very well, yeah, it could sound. be. I want to know how this thing works. Yeah, is this is this like, like? looking back through time or something it's su uh, or somehow like pulling off vibrations of what used to be there or something yeah. but even if it did why would it just have specific ones of like one person it would should be like a jumble of millions of people right over that area and stuff but it's a cool effect you know i, I love that it doesn't waste any time no, it just, doesn't uh, feel the need to give you an explanation that's what I the like good that. that's what the good ones do they just throw it in as something that it, hey it works in this universe you know now, i had no idea who this guy was going in the actor i mean going into this but he won me over right here i was just like okay so i kind of dig this Indiana guy jones mm -hmm. that's what they're saying yeah but i love this this, I could I could see Indy doing this. This is well, <laughs> the, I mean, he's love that. They're, they're starting. His character is is kind of a trope in modern mu movies, like modern in the last like ten years, <laughs> where he's he's kind of a douchebag, 
but he's a charismatic douchebag. And there's a percentage of those movies where the actor can pull it off. Like right. he's kind he's kind of douchey, but but not, he's very likable though. He's not a he he's I guess a flawed person, but he's not. He does have a moral compass and stuff. He's an outlaw, you know. More than the people that raised him, I think. You know, right, I mean, you're right. talking about the Ravagers, you know. Right. And but at the same time, I think that 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 idea really came <laughs> funny funny enough in the comedies of Seth Rogen where they would have these characters that were like sort of stereotypical douchey characters, but then right. they would get you to like them by the end of them because they were funny and charismatic. And then I think Iron Man really cemented yeah, that. Cemented that. And see, I want to see those two characters play off of each other in a, in a future movie where these two franchises are going to cross over with the Guardians and, I mean, uh, and the Avengers. In the hands I, of the I, wrong actor, Peter Quill's character could be very unappealing. Right, this guy, and I, I find him incredibly appealing. Yeah, actually. this guy makes him like somebody you want to hang out with, basically. Even their road warrior garb works for him for this part. Great special effects. I love the effects in this movie. That's very cool. And this part always gets a good laugh. Well, this scene must be this scene. This is a very first scene out of Indiana Jones scene, you know. Right, right. So I think maybe that's might be where they started thinking of him, or if they're not thinking of him, is where the rumors started that he would be a, a good Indiana Jones. Well, I think when he first walks into the temple, and there's that nice quiet moment where he sees the entire abandoned temple, and there's just the sound of the water dripping down. That was a very Tomb Raider moment, and that. That's the scene that kind of sells the idea to me that, nah, you know, I could see this. He could be an Indiana Jones, I think. Who? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I think I, what's well, funny this is about where the first is... part of this is where the first tone of his character is right. shown. Well, I like the irony of that scene as well because you know there's going to be a good percentage of the the audience that doesn't know who he is, but even like. Like I said before, hardcore comic book fans might be going, who? You know, like, it's been so long since Star-Lord was anything that I, I like that it kind of pokes fun. It does not take itself too seriously at all, which is one of the things that I think is a great hallmark of this movie. Well, I think this movie is a, is a, another... Uh, most of them are perfect examples. You know how people will read a comic and go, man, this comic is very cinematic. Right, right. Um, love that shot these these movies are not really cinematic they're not really cinema they're not really traditional movies they're the right. synthesis of comics if if they're cinematic oh, in any way they're like yeah, a they cinematic comic yeah. and they don't follow they, they you know like if it if um if they weren't so good-natured and appealing and intelligently written, the critics would hate them. I love that. Him just turning and laughing. That reminds me of something I would do, getting away with something right there. I love it. That's just great. That just makes him so appeal. This whole opening part makes him such a very appealing character. Because I, I love him. Well, you just know why? Thrilling you know why? with getting away with it. You look know? at this. Look at him. He's having fun. 
you know oh, it's, yeah. it's adventuresome and fun it's not it's not dark and and you know troubled right in the action it's 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 pure swashbuckling fun <laughs> with somebody who's also realizing that the situation he is in is very dangerous That's but the at the same time it's a riot he's so having a riot we this? We're about, yeah, I think you guessed it right. I, at about eight minutes, I think. Yeah, because that's where the, just before she comes up out of the floor is where the preview ended. So I think that's pretty awesome. That's a that's a good chunk of the beginning. Yeah. But if, if these movies weren't so well written, the critics would all be going, these aren't movies. These are just, you know, entertainment vehicles. Well, you know, there are certain people out there saying things like that and, you know... Well, they're I saying things like that, but they're they're in the vast minority because even the critics right. see these and go, you know what? These are you see the fun. trading cards? Alf? I love the Alf, Alf trading card there. It's great. He's got the, the treasure troll. <laughs> but... Evidently, she's from the comics, but I don't know what comic she was in. But somebody was telling me that that she was actually a character from the comics. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was gonna think of Michael Rooker. I'm as, always down for Michael you? Rooker. Are you I mean, I like Michael Rooker a lot. I really do. But I didn't know what I was gonna think of him as Yondu. But he won me over pretty quickly. In Are you kidding? He's awesome. And then they give him that that grill full of teeth too. It's just awesome. <laughs> He's one of my favorite character actors in the whole world. I, I, I've never gone wrong with Michael Rooker from, you know, um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer to Mallrats on Into the Future. <laughs> I love when he gets pissed, his, uh, his crest lights up red. That's pretty cool. Because <laughs> in the comics, you know, he had that big red fin. And in this, oh, right, right. With the electronic thing, but I think that's cool. You know, when he gets really pissed off, it lights up brighter. Some good-looking alien freaks in this part. Yes. I love how there's <coughs> always one wormy henchman. It's just like, eh, in the background. That guy looks like the guy who saw... That, that wormy henchman looked like the guy who saw in Death Sticks in uh, Attack of the Clones. He wants to go home and rethink his life. This looks like the anus of the Dark Aster. <laughs> Now, learning about what was going to be in the movie before it came out, this was one of the things that got me super excited that Ronan was going to be in it. It's one of my few quibbles with the finished film, though, is the direction that they take him, you know, making him purely the bad guy, which he was originally. For a long time, Ronan was a bad guy in comics, but in recent years, he, he's, he's become shaded kind of redeemed. In. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's actually become more of a hero. Oh, but this looks like they kind of take him off, you know, off the table at the end of the film. So I don't know that they'll ever be able to go that direction in the in the cinematic universe, which is a bit of a shame because I if love they really want to, they Ronan. can. Sure. Yeah, they they probably could. But I I did still like him in this. I thought he was cool. Just the fact that the you know they used him. I mean, the, the that's the thing that I loved about this was that. There's so many elements from the comics that are pretty out there at this point, and they pull them in and they make them work. I, I love it. I mean, I never in a million years imagined sitting in a in a theater watching 
a movie like this with all these really obscure comics mm-hmm. characters and it actually works. It, it doesn't come off as hokey or cheesy or ridiculous. They they sell it and really make it work. Yeah, these these kinds of movies have a tradition of just sort of becoming cult films or like mm-hmm. just disappearing into the sands of time. This one won't. This one's gonna have sequels. <laughs> no, this one's yeah. This one's got some legs if they if they maintain the same quality. Now, did you recognize what's her name from uh, from Doctor Who? I I only recognized her because I knew she was in it. I, mm. If I hadn't known she was gonna be in it, I wouldn't have recognized her in her makeup for the for the amount of time that she's in it. Right. And what she does, you know, it's. Once, once you know who she is, you can see it in her face. But right, uh, unless this made me so happy to see Xandar, and I love the look of it. It's it's very future world at Epcot, and it I is. love that whole thing. It's great, and it's colorful. Mm-hmm. It's a space age future world that's got color in it. I love it, <laughs> like real color, like a real place would. <laughs> Where's your wife, old man? I love that. Rocket raccoon, man. <laughs> I love it. I mean, they did a masterful job of making these characters appealing and endearing right out of the gate. I mean, it takes you mere seconds to fall in love with these characters. Well, I mean, I always knew. I, 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 basically, I was like, if. I, I knew if they put Rocket Raccoon up on the screen, <laughs> then we're fine because he's a great character because he's a raccoon. He is. And, and the voice is perfect, uh, too. Yes, the voice was perfect. And he's, yeah, he's got that grating, grating personality. And it's, it's. I used to know an old guy that looked a lot like this dude. He looks like, um, he looks like, um, my favorite Martian. Yeah, he uh, does. Yeah, he does. What was that, Ray Walston? Walston, yeah. <laughs> Is he still alive? No. Oh, okay, because would, that would probably be him if he was still alive. <laughs> yeah, they probably would have gone with him because he did some science fiction. Oh, he, sure. Uh, he did some Next Generation. He did My Favorite Martian. Oh, I, mean, I mean, beyond My Favorite Martian, but yeah. Yeah, after My Favorite Martian, he was sort of in the Mr. Hand from uh, right. Ridgemont High mold after that, but still. <laughs> he did a lot of movies, and he did a lot of, like, B-grade. You know, he was, he was like, definitely seemed like the kind of actor who liked to work. Probably had to, to keep money coming in. <laughs> and what did you think of uh, Zoe Salander here? Oh, she's great. They could have... The, I like their relationship in this. It could have been totally... Either they hate it, you know, it could have been the Hayden hate then love each other or whatever but they're just sort of it's it's un, it's underplayed and subtle you know right or he could just be a, a total douche that she just <laughs> rejected <laughs> i hate when a woman does that this is a good scene oh yeah this is great of this is a this is a in in, in any other movie this would have been the opening set piece right <laughs> We're 20 minutes into the movie and already we're on the second second set piece sort of, you know. I love it. 
and, and very well directed too. I mean, again, with being able to follow what's going on, which doesn't happen in a lot of movies when you have you know these expansive sets and a lot of running around and chasing and fighting and all that. A lot of times, it's hard to follow what's going on, and you can follow every beat of this. That's I think they make a point right to do those, do that in the Marvel movies because that's what we were talking. If if there was any movie where they were not going to do that, it was going to be Winter Soldier. Right. So and they and they totally did it in that too. I love it. It's very stylistic, but the style works really well. And also, this, this scene understands something that a lot of movies don't: that a set piece is <laughs> something happening and leading to another <laughs> thing, and story-wise, and it's exciting, That's and great. it and it and it you know goes back and forth and up and down in you know with the characters. And it's I not love... just how many special effects you can throw your way. That's what this is. This is all just like it's a it's a comedy routine. Right. I love this look at Xandar because this is the the Star Wars Cantina without redoing for the millionth time the Star Wars Cantina. Yes. You've got all these different races all milling about very naturally it, it reminds in this city and it really works in a way that it doesn't work in so many other science fiction films that have tried to do the same thing. It's it funny feels very real. It's it's funny because I would say this movie owes a lot to Star Wars and feeling oh, you know, and yeah. some feeling but this sequence at least in the look of it, it it really reminds me of Star Trek, dude. Or like I next was generation up and down Star Trek. Like a mental patient during this part with the friggin' Nova Corps showed up. This had me geeking out so hard. And of course, you throw in Wreck It Ralph, and I'm a happy, happy camper. Well, that's the thing. Is, that's the thing is when I saw the previews with him in it. I was a little questionable about that because I love John C. Riley. I love oh, yeah. John C. Riley. He's hilarious, <laughs> but I but he's a he, he's almost too much. But where they put him in this role, he's perfect. You know, totally works. And they they, yeah. they 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 drew him back, so he's not. He's actually he's not. He's usually the doofus. You know, he's usually well, the dumb doofy person. He reminds me of my friend Todd DeVito from high school. I like the role that he's playing here because it it didn't pay off yet in this movie, which was a little bit disappointing. But the role that he's playing is the Nova that passes on the the mantle of Nova to Richard Ryder, who was you know Nova when we were kids in the comics, you know the the Earth Nova. So there's still that potential there because there were rumors running rampant before the movie came out that um, Nathan Fillion was going to have a cameo in the movie as Richard Ryder. And of course, that never you know, turned out to be true or never panned out or whatever. But still, the role that John C. Riley is playing is that Nova that passes that on to him. So that could happen somewhere down the road. We could get you know Nova from the comics in the movies, which I'm totally down for that. That would be awesome. This part right here is a lot of fun. If you go frame per frame through it, there's a lot of information in these Good little things. See, I love right here where it says Groot Origin X because in his first appearance in that Tales to Astonish story, he was the monarch of Planet X. And I love oh. that they kept that in. I just thought that was great. Because if you don't know it, then it just says X like they don't know where he's from or whatever. But that really was where he was from. I think that's great. But I love it. John C. Riley's a straight man in this. Right. 
A kiln is straight from the comics, from the, uh, from the, um, Annihilation era comics. So lots and lots of nods to the source material, which I really, really liked. It is not by any means a literal in interpretation, but there's a lot of uh, nods and callbacks to the, you know, to the, it's very clear that they're basing a lot of the story off of the Abnett and Lanning, uh, you know, the recent stuff with the Annihilation and all that. And I really, I respected that. I thought that was really nice. Because I think, you know, at this point, with especially with Marvel, you can do something that, that feels faithful, but it doesn't have to be a literal, you know, by the book adaptation at the same rate, just that it captures the flavor and, and feels respectful of the material. I wish other comic book adaptations you know, by other companies would feel the same way, but they don't, unfortunately. But I think Marvel has learned its lesson very well. <laughs> I wondered if they would continue with the I am Groot thing through this like they do in the comics and I like that they did. But they do. Yeah. Exclusively in that order. tell you what, that's going to wear real. It's a great I love running gags. I was wondering where in the movie they were going to use um this song and it's i found it kind of weird that they used it here because Ironically. You know, hooked on the film. yeah this is yeah it, it's the only time that you hear it in the movie and it was such a part of the of the ad campaign i kind of figured it would be somewhere different in the film they used it because they used it in the ad campaign because the beginning of that song is one of the most like earworm hook in your ear right once you hear that ooga chaka ooga chaka the rest of the song plays out in your head every time and i they love do... tang as much as the next guy but that was ridiculous i love that they get sprayed with like space delouser the drink the astronauts took to the moon i love this little character moment here it's just a look, but that establishes something between those characters just by a look. I, I think that's brilliant. I like how everybody gets it jammed into their chest and it just gets handed to Groot. Here you go. Here you go, <laughs> big guy. And he never puts it on. <laughs> she makes me laugh every time. I know it's not right. She's sitting there crying for her family. But every time I see her, I just start laughing. And he gets borked in the head here. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> this reminds me of the cafeteria at high school. Yeah, right. <laughs> Didn't these guys see them walk in with Groot? Yeah, there he is. I would. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Groot is like the ultimate best friend to have in prison. Mm hmm. I like that space prisons are uh, are co-ed. Right. Co-species. Yeah, right. They're just, yeah. Everybody's in there. Yeah, there's probably creatures that have, like, no discernible <laughs> sexual characteristics. This is the Star Trek VI scene where Kirk fights the alien and kicks him in the knees, but just taking up a, a whole new notch. Yes. I love this. 
It's great. It's a standard prison thing. You gotta you gotta prove yourself in the first uh first and this few seconds in. This establishes Rocket as a badass too. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, that'll clear your sinuses out. I can't think of a comedy beat in this movie that does not work. Because even having seen this as many times as I, I have, the, the comedy beats still work. I still think they're funny every time I watch it's it. Really... It's because everybody's playing it straight. They're, mm-hmm. they're 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 committed to it, and nobody's it's no it's not wink and nod comedy. Now I want to know when they get her. I guess she has to come out sometime, but I love the establishing shot of uh, Drax here too. I wasn't sure how he was going to work in this movie, but I, I think that he's he like works Groot. very well. They just make it very. Uh... Very, very, his character is very simple, which he makes it been, which makes it great, you know. Well, I like there's there's enough of a change from he's he's similar yet changed from the comics. I mean, he's similar in the fact that he's he's got a very singular drive. He's out on a mission to take somebody out. In this case, Ronan. In this, in the comics, it was always Thanos. So that that singular drive and mission is still there, but they nuanced him enough to make him more than just a one-dimensional killing machine. They give him a personality too, and uh, I, I, you know, he is the like the ultimate straight man. But he works very comedically, being that ultimate straight well, man with you know the literal literal interpretations of everything. Right, it's great. right, because he cannot. He can, by definition cannot do comedy. All the comedy right. from him not grasping the situation, other than on a literal le- level. Now they changed up his origin a bit. I'm wondering how that's going to play into into future movies as the 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 world and the universe that they play in gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Because in the comics, he's Moondragon's father, Has but he... the daughter he refers to he, that's dead here is not Moondragon. So it kind of sounds like they've changed him from from who he was. And Rocket even refers to his people, so it makes him more of like. Like he's from an alien race as opposed to what he was in the comics, which was, I want to say he was just like a regular Earth dude that got like genetically re-engineered or something like that. I wonder, is this guy really built like that or does he have like pads on his shoulders or stuff? No, he's huge. Ridiculous. He was a, I don't know, something, a, a wrestler, an ultimate fighter or something like that. That you know, he he basically he was kind of like a Rowdy Roddy Piper, where he went from that into acting, essentially. I don't by any stretch think he's a great actor, but man, he he's, works for this role. He's perfect. Well, you know, he could be. He could end up being a really good actor. That's how Schwarzenegger started out. That's <laughs> yeah, totally yeah, how. Well, I don't tra- think of Arnie as a great actor either. When, so. But but Arnie is a way better actor than he should be. He's had well, way more of a this career is, well, than he true. ever. Because when he first right. came out, he was a joke, and then the Terminator came out, and you had all the critics going, "I gotta say, Arnold Schwarzenegger is perfectly cast in this movie." You know, it's, 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 and they were kind of joking at first, but 
I thought the same thing about Roddy Roddy Piper. Not the greatest actor, perfectly cast, and they live. And had the potential of being an appealing actor. You know, this guy's not going to win an Oscar but down the line, but he could be, you know, a great asset to action movies for many Oh, yeah, years. yeah, that, most definitely. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, I totally agree, because he totally works here for what he's playing, what he's supposed to be. I think he's got the best lines in the movie, honestly. I love that part, and later on, my absolute favorite part of the entire movie, comedically speaking, is when they're all having their big planning session for the big final battle, and uh, Peter says something, and uh, Drax says, I wasn't listening, I was thinking about... I mean, that's so real, you know? That happens in real life, where you got that one guy, usually me, that's just kind of spaced out and not paying any attention to what's... I'm I'm sorry, sorry, I was thinking about boobs. Yeah, exactly, and I love that. I just love that moment because it's it's feels so very real. I really like that. But Drax just gets some great moments in this. That's per freaking usual. I love that line too. This scene shocked me beyond belief because I the emperor scene from much, well, it Empire? is it is very much the emperor scene, but. I thought this would be all we got as far as Thanos. And I think it goes straight to it, doesn't it? I'm pretty. Yeah. Yeah, right here. I did not expect. I, you know, I figured even when we started to go here, I'm figuring he's not going to turn around. We're going to not get any more of him than we got with the Avengers, which was just that little smile, that little grin to establish who he was. And when he turns the chair around and we get full on, full oh my on. God, it's Thanos. I was stunned. I mean, just geeking out. I hope the next time someone decides to do a Fantastic Four movie with Galactus, they think about this. Yeah, no shit. Let's make Thanos a cloud of well, ease. Know, it's funny because I think that's why we're getting this. I think a lesson was learned there. You know, say what you want about Rise of the Silver Surfer. It has its faults. I don't think it's a, a, a bad movie. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think that there's definitely an object lesson to be learned there, which is so many people went into that movie going, okay, it's Fantastic Four. Silver Surfer's right in the title. We know we're getting the Surfer. He was in all the previews and everything. So with the Surfer comes what? Comes Galactus. And they get you right there. And then they don't pull the trigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I think they really learned from that what the fans want. Oh, my God. I love this shot. Yeah. I mean, that grin. Just chills. Right out of the comics. It's right out of the comics. Absolutely. I mean, this. It, you talk about give the people what the people want. That's what that scene was. That dude there. Prosthetic leg. His leg. Yeah. Nah, seeing that multiple times, it just adds to the humor of that scene. Right. Well, just the things Rocket says to is is so you and me. <laughs> But I love this is a this is a brilliantly written and conceived idea of their breakout. 
just like Groot just puts it puts it into effect. No waiting around, you know. Yep. No, you know they could they could have messed around with some more prison scenes and had some more prison. Uh, nope. <laughs> well, this this scene was you know all right. We've we've gotten you know we we've established all the characters. We've gotten the you know we've gotten the band together at this point. Now comes the acid test of okay. Now we want to see everybody in action. And this is, to me, this is very much like when... This forces Han them into being and, a group. And and Chewie, they've all just met each other, but they haven't really been... Te- you know, they haven't had their, their uh, trial by fire yet until they go into the detention block of the Death Star. That's what this is. This is, this is rescuing the princess from Star Wars. That's exactly what this is. This is the escape from the Death Star. Yep. And I love it because this is where you, you start to get those moments. This is my favorite I Am Groot. Oh, that's awesome. Whoever thought of getting the Iron Giant to voice Groot, just, you know, they deserve a raise. <laughs> it, it just works. Love it. All prisoners return in your sleeping areas. Yep, but they're they're just forced into forced into their plan. It's just <laughs> brilliantly conceived. Oh, I love it. Special effects are awesome. I love that you can see that Drax just reveled, and he's laughing the whole time. Yeah, beat the hell out of these guys. Oh yeah, he's like, now I get a chance to beat the hell out of people. Yep. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh. Ow. Ow. <laughs> oh, this is the scene everybody was talking about. Yeah. Love the music. Yeah. <laughs> now I saw this with my son and uh, Bill Robinson, oh God, Peterson and Todd Grady, and we were laughing our asses off during this part, man. The whole theater was laughing their asses off. I like that that he asks him for his leg. Everybody else is just like, I'll go right the hell out of it. Yeah, he's like, hey man. Ow! Drop the leg. That guy should have seen that coming from a mile away. Yep. Getting some really good effects right there. Yeah, I can I can see him pulling off Indiana Jones, I think. He's got the look. Yeah. I, the the thing is that when they get and this is just a quibble, but when they get the new guys to play the old the old characters, the thing about um and it's not even like a level of acting or anything, but Harrison Ford had this like deep rich tone to his voice right like leonard nimoy had a deep rich tone right. to his voice and then the new guys are like hey how's it going you know <laughs> right it's 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 weird it, it, it's it somehow makes them seem less adult you 
cards in full combat. <laughs> now I only have a few scores by uh, by Tyler Bates, and I didn't think much of him before this. Uh, the big one that he did, you know, the big one that I own that he did was uh, the Watchmen, and I, I didn't think much of that score, but I love the score in this movie. It really works well. It is a great score. If I had a quarter for every time I've said, spare me your foul gaze, woman. <laughs> or a woman looked at you and said, why is this one here? Yeah. Here you go. What? What did he look like I had to transfer him 30,000 How are we going to leave? Oh, that's great. You'd think they know better than to shoot at their own bulletproof glass. Yeah, I'll have to agree with the walking thesaurus on that one. Do not ever It's just a metaphor, dude. See, he says it's people, so yeah. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I told you he's got the best lines in this movie. Oh, it's great. Now I'm wondering if a little few, a little further in the future, if we see more of the Novas, if they'll become a little more like they were in the comics, you know, a little more superhero-y. Yeah, you know, it, it, it'll probably be like Shield, you know. But yeah. I, I could see a Nova Corps movie would be great. I think that's why they put so many like faces into it, you know. Right. Because someday down the line, or maybe a TV show or something. Well, you're not going to get Glenn Close in the TV show, but you know. Who knows? You could do it. No, you, if uh, uh, why didn't they do that in the beginning? Why didn't they shoot at the same piece of glass instead of like? <laughs> eh, I'm not gonna nitpick it. <laughs> Dude looks like Todd Grady too. Eh? <laughs> Love the swell of the music here. It's beautiful. It's funny, she's just like... Oh, I love it. What a big bunch of idiots. And then she's like, well, the raccoon's kind of smart. <laughs> He's useful. This is pretty clever, where he uses those little gun things for the engines. Yeah, he basically cobbles together their own spaceship. That's great. Love the music. This reminds me a I little bit. I can see bit. this being a ride. Yes, it looks it looks like a Disney ride. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of the movie, remember Explorers? You know, I never did see that. Uh, the, I need to watch that cobbled, sometime. Their cobbled together spaceship was very similar. It was a treehouse. I remember when it was on HBO, I think I caught bits and pieces, but I never did see it beginning to end. It wasn't really a great movie. It was okay. It was just sort of uh, kind of one of those generic Spielberg-y sort of films. Right. I'd even have produced it, but I'm not sure if he did. If I'm not mistaken, the uh, the spaceship that they built in that movie, if, if I'm thinking of the right movie, I think that's actually uh, on display uh, at Disney. Oh, or, or, I think... It was anyway. I oh, know you know what? I think it's. I, I think you're right. I think we saw it just sort of sitting on the ground, yeah. outside in the Hollywood section. Yeah. Hey, hey, wait, wait. What? That bastard didn't put it back. How do we 
That's a good Walkman he has. It's lasted that many years, so I have to yeah, say no that. kidding. Well, I mean, a lot of people I've heard, I've seen a lot of things nitpicking that online. It's one of those things you just gotta kind of let it go. You gotta, you gotta, gotta have a walk. Got this advanced yeah. technology and everything. He's gotta have a way to preserve it and keep the heads good. And well, his tape, tape from, yeah, his tape deck in his ship is a nice. That's a nice, expensive hi-fi tape deck <laughs> in the old days. I love the cinematography in this. It's just gorgeous. You almost, in like the case of that, you almost have to call it composition. <laughs> right, <laughs> there yeah. There probably wasn't true. a camera involved in that last shot at all. I hate this song, but it works so well in this part. Oh, I song. love it. He love just, it. he doesn't screw around. He just brains this guy with that orb. just caves his skull in. <laughs> I like that the guy's been sitting through the whole prison break and unaware right. of it because he's jamming out to Rupert Holmes. And well, that shows you what a jerk that guy is. He's he's focused on the Rupert Holmes. That's a great shot. That's very Empire Strikes Back. Well, you know, and I, I was just thinking... When he said, behold, I'm like, you know, they've got this guy speaking in the old Jack Kirby, mm -hmm. Stan Lee, cosmic mm -hmm. language. Yep. Oh, it's just gorgeous. Lens flare. I'll forgive it in this one. It's not intrusive. It's not gratuitous. There was, there was Ranger lens flare Rick. in that. That's <laughs> awesome. I used to have a subscription to Ranger Rick movie, uh, magazine when I was a kid. <laughs> Reminds me of my friend Todd Riley who made himself a, he made a, uh, um, oh, why is it the, the name of, of evading me? The, a landmine. And <laughs> he made one? He made a landmine. He's had a, saw a book that showed how they made landmines. Oh, yeah, he had like a shotgun shell with a nail so when you stepped on it it popped the shotgun shell and underneath were nails and and bb's and stuff and and where did he keep it on the on the shelf next to his bed <laughs> over his bed and we came over he's like hey check out and we're like are you insane <laughs> It's like, well, I can't bury it out somewhere because somebody would step on it. And it's like, yeah, you're going to like have a nightmare in the middle of the night and kick your foot up and wake up dead. <laughs> I like the group's just like, come on. <laughs> Great dialogue. They just wipe out everybody in this uh, in this prison facility. 
Tower have sent a fleet to defend the prison. Trying to think of what his headpiece reminds me of. It's very, uh, you know, like one of those, like, uh, what do you call it? It's uh, a specific you know, like character, the, I, I almost want to say. You know, it's like those samurai movie type of things, you know, where they have the, the ceremonial headdress and all that. I love that. I can't tell if you're joking or not. <laughs> I wonder if any of the trinkets in here have any sort of relevance, comic book wise. I don't really recognize any of them. <laughs> I like the guy in the background just starts cracking up. <laughs> Right out of the comics. That's pretty cool. That he controls it with whistles? Yeah, it, not quite like that, but very similar to that. But they were actually they were they were archers, so you know he doesn't have the the bow or anything. But I like that you've got one of the um, the dark elves from Thor: The Dark World being kept in the cage, taking a little nap. Nap time. Yep. <laughs> I don't know about Chop Chop as a line of dialogue for an alien, but I'll forgive it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If it makes it makes the same sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they don't overplay too much of this song. And this is another song. I never much cared for David Bowie. I got to be honest. Oh, really? I love this song. Oh, this was a major. Geek I was going to use well. this song at the end of the show. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> this was very cool because this is again right out of the comics. This was the headquarters of the uh, of the Guardians in the comics, and I think that's great. She even says, you know, of a celestial being because it was it was the head of a celestial, and they made their base out of it. I just think that's awesome. Another thing of like what, but <laughs> move on. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, exactly. They don't linger. This this very much subscribes to that thing, you know, that quote from George Lucas of, you know, don't spend too much time on all this, you know, fanciful stuff that you created. You know, don't don't linger on it, but tell the story. And that's it's very yep. it's very Star Wars well, because, in that aspect. It just keeps moving because they thought about it. And it's like if you were a caveman and you were watching a modern movie, it would be like. Is that Dex's diner? <laughs> that would be funny. It. it and you saw, like, a telephone and stuff, you know, or you were watching a science fiction movie in Caveman Days and they had a telephone. It would be, you know, just have them talk on the telephone, they figure it out, but it would have to be like, this is a, better pick up the uh, talking and hearing communication item. Right. Ruins it. I like that scene. Groot's E.T., man. Mm-hmm. He's like he's like ET crossed with Chewbacca. Well, the thing is, this movie was made. <laughs> I love how he just gets into everything a hundred and ten percent, you know. <laughs> but uh, um, this movie, I mean, it has something for for women, for men, 
but not in a way that's like, oh, we'll put some beefcake in here for the ladies, and we'll put this in here for the men. It's just like, no, they put characters that are appealing, and like Groot's a good <laughs> character for the little kids, you know. That's a great line. I love that they're, they're not the just stars they're not content to just do a star field. It, everything's got color in it. Oh, I just love it. I love the design of the world here. And again, that's very Kirby in its own way because he was always putting all kinds of shit in the background. He was never content with just a simple star field either. It was always, you know, wiggly all kind yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff out there. And weird wiggly energy lines that Mhm. Mm who knows what they are, but it's space, so... Right. It makes me wonder, like, that old Marvel Cosmic stuff, what years was that? What what years of the 60s were that? That was, like, the early 60s. Well, I mean, you know, pretty much. It went into when, the hippie think... era. I know that, because the hippies right. were reading those, you know, like in the Beatles movie, one of the Beatles movies, you see a bunch of Marvel comics on there on their shelf and right. you know people were writing about the characters and stuff but i wonder if guys like jack kirby weren't like either you know going to a party and they were like hey we're doing some lsd today or something <laughs> just aware of that and you know hey you know what the teens like they like those wacky you yeah, know i think a lot of those stuff. guys were and uh and to their benefit, they did it without being ridiculous about it. But it was like sort of like those the the whole cosmics co concept. I don't think could have happened without like the '60s happening alongside it and having like the teenagers of the time go like, "Yeah, man," <laughs> you know. It's and 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 the and it made more sense as comics had been around longer to put a lot of those stories in a totally fantastical realm where characters with godlike powers had other godlike power creatures to to fight you know fight fight against taking up to the next level that's a good scene i like this scene <laughs> i like that it does not go where you think it's gonna go right. at all she completely turns the tables on him <laughs> My wife loved this part. Pelvic sorcery! <laughs> it's very Empire Strikes Back window. That's great. Here we're going to get one of the most touching character moments. Oh, yes. It's just an It's It's... Just such a great thing. That is also it. true. <laughs> this establishes a lot in just a few lines of dialogue. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This shades in his character. Yeah. This in the scene where Peter Quill saw the wires yeah. stuck into his back. That re it does. It really establishes a lot. The voice acting is great. I mean, he really 
he gets he gets the emotion he gets the the the, the slightly drunk yeah uh you know just the way people sound when they've just had too much to drink you know it's really good well this is this is a very realistic angry drunk <laughs> yeah, yeah very much I've so. seen angry drunk saying very similar to <laughs> i've been angry you drunk all saying think very similar we're, i'm a moron don't you <laughs> Nobody I've been that answer. that angry drunk a couple of times. Let him go. <laughs> I love Groot, so I had to hell with him. Milady Gamora, I'm here to fetch you for my master. This is some good shit. Cosmo. Oh, I love that. I want my own little space station collector. I geeked out about Cosmo so much. Because, again, he's from the comics as well. In the comics, Cosmo the dog is the uh, head of security for Nowhere. And I wonder if they might go with that in a, in a subsequent movie, if they end up using Nowhere as a base. It's Benicio Del Toro playing the Tom Waits part in the movie. <laughs> he's really good in this. He's, he's, he's another one of my favorite character actors. He's a he's He goes into full lead, too, but he's just a great... He mm-hmm. plays a great creep. Oh yeah, he is great. Him in in the Terry Gilliam Fear and Loathing Las Vegas movie is one of the most creepy, sleazy, slimy characters you'll ever see on film. It it's almost hard to watch. Well, it isn't almost. It's definitely hard to watch. <laughs> I really, really, really like this scene. <laughs> I like how he's like... <laughs> but that's the thing, is just great characterization. Once you get the characters established, you have the right actors. <laughs> he staggers out. <laughs> for some reason that scene always reminds me of star trek 3 and i really am not sure why it just does i always get it reminds it. me of that cheap you know that cheesy looking very star wars cantina looking scene in star trek 3 for some I, reason i always get slightly annoyed my nitpicker gets slightly annoyed when they have when you have somebody with a screen and you have the screen projected on their face. No, right. looking at a projection, not a projector. It's not projecting it on there, but it's it's always a neat effect. But the first time I remember seeing that and realizing that in a movie was in the movie theater watching Alien. All right, this right here, that was my biggest geek out of the. I'm like, oh my god, it's a fucking celestial. Yeah. I was like, oh my, I was freaking out, man. You have no idea, because that's where this movie crossed the line into. Oh my God! Pull there's out. nothing that's off the table at this point. They they are pulling in everything. That was exciting. That was the moment we should have had with Rise of the Silver Surfer right there. If they can bring you Celestials, why couldn't we have had Galactus? I, I love it. This is this, this movie. Has this just, is us with a vintage Star Wars toy in our hands. Right. But I mean, this just blows it wide open. Did you see that one alien up there? It kind of looked like one of the Close Encounters aliens I just noticed. 
But this just cracks the Marvel Universe wide open. That was not a good life choice. Yeah. Not much to lose, actually, from her point of view, but... Somebody dropped something in oh, his fireworks collection. This is your Raiders of the Lost Ark moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, running ahead Another, of, the, uh, of the ball. Yeah, the ball. Well, it's running ahead of the ball, and it's uh, opening up the arc. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, too. That was your little 3D moment right there. Yeah. It's one of the few where the 3D or they're doing the pokey stick. That was the, they only do that a couple of times it in the movie. It's a pokey stick. I don't, I don't know if I ever need to see somebody jumping ahead of an explosion ever again in a movie. Right. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a good collectible. <laughs> I love that. I love that line. <laughs> in your purse. <laughs> I love this where he just explains the logic of it. She's a bit too altruistic for Gamora, but you know, in fairness, somebody has to be. In order to right. keep the story moving, somebody has to speak up. And I guess she's really the logical one, you know, of the five of them, the the, the one to do it. But it does it does seem kind of counter to her comic book character. I'm glad it's not like the ring of power and doesn't make whoever possesses it go into you know oh yeah the need to to use the power from it or something or to you know it becomes my precious yeah that yeah. i hadn't thought of that but that's a really good point yeah yeah it, none this of movie definitely definitely escape you know avoids a lot of cliches while while exploiting a lot of cliches to their advantage what This is some good shit. This reminds me of like like the uh, like the Walker battle in Empire. You know, we're taking the little the small pods. You know, kind of similar to like Snowspeeder type of thing. I love that he just sneers and walks away. <laughs> Not a good way to get on this guy's good side. I was wondering, watching this for the first time in the theater, I kind of wondered how this uh, that fight would play out. I, while I think Drax should be a little more badass than this, I did like the fact that Ronan just kicks his ass. Yeah, I mean, from what Ronan is, that basically is what he should. He's on he's on a different level than getting in a fist fight with somebody. And right. This is some good shit, man. Nice use of special effects. Oh, it's it's great. I don't think we've seen a ship battle like quite like this this good since one of the Star Wars films, honestly. 
I mean, this this does the ship battle thing better than some of the prequels, I think. Well, I'm going to say one nice thing about Into Darkness is it had one sequence, although it was a total ripoff of Star Wars, that, that pulled it off in a similar way, you know, special effects-wise. Right. Not so much as as it fitting in with the story and stuff. That's what makes this special is, all right, you got this beautiful chase scene. It's all part of it's all part of the story. You know, they didn't they weren't like going like, oh, "Okay, we got to get this <laughs> the space scene in here." Oh, now this that. is pod racing. <laughs> it's great. You can follow every beat of it. It doesn't lose you visually, which a lot of them do, especially with this much this motion much, and and it's a very busy background that they're flying through yeah there's a lot of you know just spinning and twirling there but you never lose it <laughs> i love that idea he's inside one ship flying right another flying ship. another yeah that's just awesome that's something you've never seen before <laughs> Did they ever make a video game out of this? Not that I'm aware of. Why? Could have been a good video game, though. Oh my god. All the all the different things you could... I take that back. I, I take it back. In, in the aspect of there's not like a dedicated like Guardians video game, but the the major players of this movie have all been uh, integrated into uh, Disney Infinity. Yeah, so but... you've got all the Guardians and Rondu or Yondu rather, and uh, and Ronin. But yeah, yeah as far but as I like... mean, yeah, but a video game set <coughs> Marvel Cosmics with these characters, right? I mean, I could see a video game nowadays where you have to where you have to do that where you have to take one ship and fly another ship that would be cool that would be cool yeah it would that right there was very cool it reminded me of uh of a video game just the look of it i hated you least nebula please nebula that's her name i could not remember that character's name to save my life She might be come to think i hadn't thought of this before she might be the element that pulls this all together with the Avengers, because that's coming at some point. They're going to have these two franchises meet up where you'll have the Guardians oh, yeah. and the Avengers at the same time. And I've been kind of wondering how they'll bring that together. Nebula might be the link in that, because I only really know that character from the time where she went up against the Avengers uh, in the Avengers. So that that they might work it that way somehow. Maybe she makes her way to Earth or something. It'd be interesting to see how they pull it all together. I like this shot. Bloop. Right in the piss. <laughs> no, man. That's Brondo. That's pure Brondo. <laughs> <laughs> the drink that Drax craves. <laughs> it's like a battleship full of screaming babies. This is another thing that gets me a little bit is characters that live too long in space that that hang around yeah, that do things hanging around without spacesuits in space but she's pretty heavy duty though right i mean you can with i don't know about so much with quill right but with her you can kind of forgive it a little bit because it's been established that she's you know she's been 
you know, genetically engineered and all that. Oh, so maybe true, she's true. A, a little tougher and all that. Right. But yeah, when he goes out there, I mean, his eyes should explode. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah, there, his internal pressure should uh, start boi boiling his blood and stuff like that. And you can see it start to happen because his eyes do go all red and everything. But then it does that thing that... Uh, like say like in Total Recall for example you know you've got Schwarzenegger's skin all bloating out of shape <laughs> his and he's eyes like hanging out of his yeah it's, you know they're hanging out by the stalks and everything and then when he gets air then all of a sudden he's perfectly all right same thing happens here but I I'm going to yeah. forgive it yeah yeah but no I, I I totally get you this is a good scene I love the music in this scene See, he falls for her pretty quick. See, that's like, um, that's some serious um, frostbite right there. Right. That's like you don't you don't just thaw out of that and get even. Then your skin turns black and rots off. Well, the thing that would make me forgive that a little bit more is if when they get pulled into the ship, if they were like glistening wet, so like you could see that they they had been heated, you know, so that there there's an explanation for. Where does the ice go? But they come back in and they're just perfectly all right. And it's it's a little bit weird at that point. But then again, I just noticed that room they just came from almost looks like it might be a heating chamber or something. So I, I don't know. Like I say, I like the movie too much to nitpick it. But yeah, I think I think that could have benefited a little bit by them being wet. Right, right. Yeah, they, if if they've got you know light up the past flashlights, then maybe they have some correct, <laughs> correct the vacuum of space beam that they hit people in when they pull them in. Right, exactly. As a matter of fact, they do, and that's what they did. <laughs> She's just rolling her eyes like a yeah. brother. I've been there, dude. I feel you. You're trying to lay all the good lines on the girl, and she's just like, yeah, whatever, dude. What? <laughs> He's just like, Jesus, I just saved your life. Welcome home, <laughs> I like the space hill, but they're like, they're yeah. like the tinglings. <laughs> Remember from that, that Thor uh, hostess oh, ad? Tingling family? That's hey, who they are. They're the tinglings. Yeah. Oh, God. Hey, maybe <laughs> we'll get them someday. That might be pushing it. With Space Aunt May and... Oh, if I had a dime for every time I've said that. <laughs> They're all idiots! None of this ever would have happened if you didn't try to single-handedly take on a bracket. <laughs> I love Rocket. <laughs> He's just pissed off all the time. He's great. He really should do something about that psoriasis, so... <laughs> Looks like Mr. That Gib gaping remember? chest wound that magically healed up like between scenes. Mr. Giblin, that substitute teacher that we had. Oh, <laughs> oh that was harsh. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's like asking to be decapitated. <laughs> He's got a point. Ronan has the stone. The only chance we got is to get to the other side of the universe as fast as we can, and maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to live full lives before that whack job ever gets there. I am Groot. 
I like that uh, Rocket can understand it. <laughs> the, I, I guess the inflection or whatever. Right. <laughs> they don't ever come right out and say it in this, which uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that one way or the other, whether they should have done it or whether they just... I, I kind of like that they just leave it to you to figure it out. But yeah, that's that definitely came out of the comics as well. It was uh, Black Bolt's brother. You know, because at... at up until that point, he you know pretty much all he ever would say was "I am Groot," and then he ends up meeting uh, Black Bolt's brother, and they they kind of strike up a friendship. And his brother's actually holding a conversation with Groot, and everybody else is like, "Wait a minute, you you understand him? All he ever says is I am Groot,' and he's like, "No, you know, there's like you said, there's it's like the inflections and things, and how he says it that actually there is a language buried in there." Hey, look. Jay Leno up on the screen there. <laughs> Whoa! I like that just sort of boom underneath him. Yummy in the tummy. Give me my hammer! Stop! Hammer time. Hammer time. <laughs> Sorry, Jay Leno, you've been cancelled. You calling boy? <laughs> and then I will unfurl ten cans of whoop ass on your ass. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> Secretary says it's lunchtime. <laughs> I like that Th Thanos is like, okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> Have your nice little ball of, ball of Gatorade there, and uh, you come talk to me. Ow. It's the same speech from earlier. <laughs> I like that. It's like, you keep talking about eating me. I like that Yondu sees through him, though, because, you know, it, it explains why if he's out there on his own, why didn't he just go home? And he didn't. He stayed out there. Well, that's the thing is there I, I, I could see I would like to see a prequel movie about what happened to him when he got picked up as a kid by Yondu. I think that could be a really fun movie. You know, I don't know necessarily that we're going to get a prequel. We might get some flashbacks, but I'm sure that that's going to be a future storyline down the road. I'd because love to see it. From what I've heard, see how his crest lights up? I love that. That is really cool. But, uh, the, the director has already said that he's not necessarily... Uh, married to the source material in the aspect in the comics, the reason the entire reason he's called Star Lord is that his father is the I don't know if king is the right word, but he he's essentially he's the ruler of this vast yeah. empire. It was kind of a star man sort of story. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And um, what's his name? Gunn, James Gunn, the director, uh, is doing the next one as well. And he says that he's going to address at least part of the mystery with Peter's father. That but could that, be why he survived in space. Right. 
and Peter's father is oh that's a good yeah that's a good point I hadn't thought of that because that's how he survives he's not, he's the, not 100% he, human yeah yeah that's how he survives the infinity stone at the end of the movie so yeah that that's there you go good no prize but James Gunn has said that he's going to you know address at least part of the mystery of Peter's father in the next movie and that Peter's father's not necessarily uh, who he is in the comics which has lent a lot of ex, you know a lot of uh, speculation as to who is Peter's father you know in this universe is it is it even a character that we've even met yet right right I think that's exciting I mean I'm sorry but my time, favorite line is attention idiots <laughs> I've never gotten to use that one, but I really would like to someday to have a megaphone in my hand and just be like, attention, idiots. <laughs> this was an early scene that they released, too, that was yeah. a good sign that it was going to be a lot of fun. Yep. It was a great scene to release because it doesn't give up any of the special effects or anything, but it just gives you that taste of how the characters interact with each other. Right. Right. Yeah, this plan part was uh, was definitely in the previews. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's a great time. It's so well written. Yeah, because it's somewhere between ridiculousness and totally being real, you know, of how of people having a... Right here, right here. Establish that. When did we establish that? I was thinking, I was thinking of something else. I love, <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Well, he doesn't even say it apologetically. He's just like, right. I was not listening to you. <laughs> it's very matter of fact, yeah. Totally <laughs> fake. <laughs> God damn, I love this movie. Humor. Humor is good in movies, people. I'm Remember telling that. you. I'm telling you. I look around at us. I just want to know why his ship is so smoky inside. Seems like a good way to get space cancer. <laughs> Maybe it's space incense to cover up the smell but that's well, another thing. young new ship so it could be anything oh you know? it true could be yeah cigarette smoke it could be you know space weed it could be anything yeah. you know it could be you know some sort of exotic alien farts i mean who god only knows what it is yeah it's very klingon ship like now why didn't why didn't drax take that line literally he seems like that's he understands question. that, and that's metaphorical, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of gloss that part over. It's a good scene. This is the, uh, all right, well, take care of yourself, Han. I guess that's what your best at yeah. scene. Yeah. So many parallels to Star Wars. 
Well, but yeah, at the same rate, not feeling derivative, not for this kind of story. There's tropes of these kinds of stories that 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 you hit, and it's not like they're aping Star Wars, but they're you know when they when they're hitting that stuff right, it feels like that. Right, and that stuff's been. But I guess my point is, is that I mean, you remember what it was like in '78 to '79 between Star Wars and Empire. How many friggin' movies were there that tried so hard to be Star Wars? Well, they thought Star Wars because Star Wars was so like such a quantum step ahead of it of everything in special effects. Right. That 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 they were just like that was what did it, you know. This was a new movie that came out, but it they put these really great special effects, and people love seeing spaceships fighting like World War II fighters with tracers. Right. And so that's what we got after that by the people who didn't know what it was all about, you know. Right. And they would be and they would put a Han Solo character in there and 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 you know the young kid and stuff, but it. It, they they weren't approaching it from, you know, the starting point of the relationship between the characters, and making the story important to everybody that they have to resolve. That it was in how can we get all these people together, and have them pew 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 in some spaceships, right? And blow up some stuff. And how many times? I mean. How many times did someone blow up a spaceship and yeehaw, you know, after Star Wars right. in those in those three years? It was just, it was, I, I like Battlestar Galactica now <laughs> a little more. But when I was a kid, I remember there was a yeehaw and I, and I was just like, oh man, they're just trying, you know. The Star Wars ripoffs angered me a lot more as a kid than they do now, but. One of these days I want to see a movie where somebody slides a big nasty knife into a scabbard on their thigh like that and they just open their thigh they miss, wide it's up. It's like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, that's like all the thousands of people whose like pistols go off and they shoot their nuts off and stuff. But <laughs> you never see Dirty Harry in the hospital and they're like, well, you're never going to have kids, Harry. You right, know? exactly. <laughs> he accidentally blows his toe off yeah. or something. <laughs> no, no, we don't. No, we don't. We don't. That guy's eye. No, seriously, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a little shit. I like the surface of that. The, the ship? That ship, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it gets down that that lived-in look without looking fake, like you know, like ice pirates or something. It, it's again, it's that Star Wars. I love this. I love the right stuff walk. It's the Just right all stuff walk. Up. It's the right stuff walk, and it's also a little bit of um, Reservoir Dogs. See, yeah. that's how it shares music. I love that he wasn't lying; that he had a whole bunch of those <laughs> things that he liked to sit on his. It wasn't just a bullshit story to mess with the guy. This is the best. It's not really, I was going to say space battle. It's not really a space battle, but spaceship battle I have seen since I, I could not tell you when. I think it's great. It's very well done. 
I don't even, I wonder, you see, that's why I think these guys are going to be used more in depth. Because Glenn Close, yeah, Glenn Close right now is like a glimpse of Samuel L. Jackson, you know? Right, it's right. Like we got Glenn Close. We said, it's Glenn Close. It costs a lot of money to have her there. And not to do anything with her just tells me that somewhere down the line, they're going to need her for something else, you know? Well, you know, so much of the core gets wiped out during this, too, which kind of makes me wonder if we will end up getting Novas closer to comic book style Novas because they're going to have to kind of reimagine the core. You know what I mean? They're going to have to restaff it essentially. Well, they're, they're, and it's, if, it's, you know, it's get that upgrade to more of superhero status. Maybe no. they're, maybe this is sort of run, Maybe when they finally do mix this in with the Avengers and the other stuff from the Marvel universe, they'll, you know, maybe when the big picture of this emerges, We'll have the sort of cosmic story, and, and where you'll have parallels, where basically right. they're 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 undergoing you know Winter Soldier type um, shield annihilation and right. reformation. Right, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good. And you know, with shields going down, and meanwhile in space, these these guys are getting beat up and have to reform. Which you know, I I've all had the ships inside of. Yondu's ship? Because that makes it a lot bigger it's than it ship. seemed like it was. Yeah. Never Those really fighters about are before. somewhere between like spaceship and transformers for some reason. They just feel like transformers to me. They're kind they remind me of a cross between an X-Wing and like one of those Cylon Raiders or yeah. something. I think it's a great ship though. I love the design of them. I like all the shits in this. They've got. I know what you, you were talking about the the uh, Ronin these shit. Guys, these guys, these guys right yeah. here. Yeah. But I like that the ships in this have a little more of a race car design, you know, than yeah than a lot of ships lately. You know, they have a, you know, they have they have colors painted on them and very video game. I could see this part being yeah. a video game most definitely. Oh yeah, I mean, that'd be a blast. There's a there's a there's a I I just can't believe that they didn't do it because there's so many <laughs> It's Red Leader going in. And plus <laughs> when they make movies like this, I don't know if they do this, but wouldn't they have all the like that you know, the special effects team for the movie would have you know, like models for all these ship. You know, basically computer. I don't know if they do that anymore. Well, I guess they they make at least one physical. No, no. I mean, I, I mean, they'll have like rendered, rendered models of them that they rendered to put up on the movie screen, that they could probably just port right over to the video game maker. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. They so here's all the so. ships. These are what they look like. Here's where you know all the right. how everything works. <laughs> That's a them. great line. He's got such a cheesy hairstyle for a space guy. It's it's great. It's like a bad British hairstyle. Drax is laughing his ass off. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know, it's this is a this is a ride. You know, this is a theme park ride to him. It's great. Well, the, the, another thing about well, yeah, and Drax is also like he doesn't care if he dies. <laughs> He's one of those dead family characters. It's like my family died, so you know. 
those guys sitting there controlling the ship and everything with manipulating the the energy and all that remind me of the the guys in um, the last starfighter oh I thought you were gonna say the black hole oh yeah that too I always want to see someone just get their leg caught in one of those doors like that those <laughs> incredibly fast heavy you know 10 ton doors you know, it's the, 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 the motion sensor on it isn't quite working right. And fifth lackey that I've crushed. I do like the look of the Nova ships. They're actually really cool. I love that they form the Tholian web, too. That's kind of neat. It's not at all an original idea, but they do something original with it. I think right. that's pretty neat. Right, and it's another thing where, you know... They don't explain what it's doing, but just from visually looking at it, you can see what they're doing and what goes, you know, the, what the physics of it are, you know, in whether they're right. or imagined physics. But that, that's, that's a lot cool. of ships and a lot of people is all I know. And when he takes them out, it pretty much looks like that takes out the core. Or you got to imagine it takes out a good a chunk, chunk of it. Of anyway. it. See, I would feel real nervous walking through things like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. You could be made into whip, you know, um, cream corn in <laughs> very little time. I like the music in this part. It's a really good score. Ouch. <laughs> and this is a score that works well both in the movie and outside of it, you know, just listening to the album. It's a really good album. When did you learn to do that? Pretty sure. <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> it's a handy way of lighting. It's not the most subtle way of love lighting. Right. Way. <laughs> right. It's not the most stealthy way. It this also slightly scene, this also slightly reminds me of episode two when they when Yoda's teaching the Padawans. Yeah. Just visually. All right, this got a big chuckle in the theater. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> You know, all that was was them just walking along in the dark with all those little firefly things all over. But it's just the way they they set that up with the little firefly things. It just it elevated it, you know, from just walking down a dark, a dark hallway to a, a very beautiful scene. I really like that. It's a great scene. It's pretty risky. Clo you know, doing a close-up the way they did of his lips like that, because it shows how well the makeup was during this part, that it didn't look like he just had blue makeup on. Yeah, yeah it actually looks like his skin, which is pretty impressive. Well, I, I think nowadays, I like to I like to hope and think that they, uh, you know, if you get a close-up <laughs> and you got the makeup like that, you could just sort of take the computer and... and smooth it out a little bit that's you know? true too yeah i don't know if they do i wish i could do that 
<laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> that had to hurt. Cat fight. Stop it, I gotta take out the kryptonite. Reminds me of um, 2001. What are you doing, Dave? <laughs> I love it. Anytime we get a good look at the, the landscape, I love it. Now, I think in this one part here... This looks like the, Star Trek San Francisco a lot. There's a uh, a pink mother and daughter in this one part that gets saved by Rocket that I think... Right there. Yeah. I think that's... What's his name's wife and daughter because we see him later go home and uh what's his name denarian day is that his name oh we see him go home to a wife and daughter that are pink and i think that's them but again it's done very subtly because later on you know at the end he says you know you saved my family and there we actually see them be saved, if it was that. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, so it's like he literally saved his family. And right. Well, he still literally saved the family by saving the planet and saving the right. universe. But... Love the score in this part. Oh, that's a great shot. Everybody shoot them before they hit the ground. I love that shot right there. With the water. Just blowing up the water underneath very good, it. Yeah, very good great. water effect. I love the little glimpses of the city. You know, it never lingers long, so you don't get a great look at it, but you get just enough of a look at it to get me excited, you know? For, for a guy that loves that style of architecture for future cities, I just think it's great. It, it hits that same button that, like, Empire did with Cloud City, you know, where you look at the... You know, that futuristic city and just wonder, you know, gee, I wonder what's in that building and then what's in that building and, you know, what does that thing do? And I just, I love stuff like that. You know, that and fantasy a lot of, of times with, walk around in it. And a lot of times with these movies, they've actually, they actually do come up with, you know, you know, what each building would theoretically be. Right. Just to give it that, you know, that reality. Ow. It would have been funny if he just went like, die. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what his Starman, Starman mask reminds me of, too. It reminds me of something from another movie. Or maybe it was like a steampunk picture or something. It's 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 kind of steampunky. There's, it, it's, it's got that... Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? No, you know what that reminds me of? What's that? In some of the old Ralph McQuarrie paintings, there's a picture of Luke in a vest very similar to that, having a lightsaber fight with Darth Vader on the... Um, oh, you're right. He's yeah. wearing a mask almost. He's very much... He very much looks like Star-Lord. You're right. I wonder. I have to dig that out and look at yeah, that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know exactly I what you're talking about. I haven't looked at that, that image in years, but that's... I'm pretty sure that's why that looks familiar to me. This seems pretty brutal. 
Better bring the jaws of life. Oh, I kind of like that guy. Oh, and it takes the humanity. And yeah, <laughs> it does look like the Hindenburg, doesn't it? There's yeah, a, you can see there's a few of them that are peeling away, but a very, very few of them. Right. I like the ones that are kind of spiraling and crash because that, again, reminds me of uh, the final battle in Return of the Jedi where you occasionally see the different ships just kind of spiral into a bigger ship and explode. Some good fight stuff here. It's almost like a lightsaber fight. I like the skeletons shining through. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Once again, very Jedi-like. Yeah. Jedi-like, and it actually has a bit of the Clone Wars. Or And she's got a little, was it Aura Singh? Or... Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor dude. Finally. That was a good shot. That's a beautiful shot right there. See, in any other movie... This would be it. Bad guy taken out. Yeah, well, we still got 24 minutes. Yep. Got a little bit of the Terminator here. I don't think so. <laughs> That's great. And they're all like, oh shit, what the suit? <laughs> Does make you wonder why he didn't just take them out, though. Well, you I know. I just used the force to knock him about a little bit. Why not just kill them outright? Because when you're, this, when you're this guy, yeah, hey, have, have some fun with him, you know? This is, this is a nice little. He gets to tell them how pitiful they are, and right. That's what they love. That shit. <laughs> you little worm! I should have destroyed you. And blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. You'll never know how it feels to be the blah 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 blah. Yeah, I don't think they're as much into killing as they are into have uh, is into it's it's the foreplay for them that they're all right. About. Same as Bond villains. Villain villains got a monologue, yeah. But Bond villains all about getting Bond handcuffed up and then having his monologue. That's what he's yep. that's what he's looking forward to. Hey, next movie where hey rocks coming from the ceiling. Nice. See, I told you, some nice styrofoam rocks falling all over the place. Beautiful score in this part. In a crappier movie, this could be really sappy and stupid. Yep. It works really well. Or it could be uh, something that you, you might not buy. There was there was some serious uh, there was some serious tearing up watching this in the theater. 
This is a powerful scene. Oh, I knew they weren't gonna kill Groot in the first movie. No, they gotta E.T. him. Yep. It's the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. I was just gonna say, it looks a little like my rubber band ball. <laughs> kind of comfy in here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> E.T., don't go. <laughs> Aw, that just makes me sad. Kiss me, you furry raccoon. <laughs> This is a great shi uh, ship crash right here. Just misses the Nova headquarters. Boom! <laughs> oh, that's wicked. That's some beautiful special effects right yeah, there. Yeah, and, and it was a little different than most huge things crashing where they sort of slow it down, you know? They mm -hmm. don't do slow-mo, but they make it slower because it's a big thing coming down. This thing was rocketing down like a meteor which is the way it would go right it wasn't mitigating its crash in any way and another Beautiful. thing I like about this movie is it doesn't dwell, dwell you know it doesn't dwell on a long slow special effects destruction sequence in the city just enough to keep it moving forward yep Miraculously, everybody survives. I'm really surprised that they didn't give him a boombox, too, instead of the, like... <laughs> right. Oh, man, we were having a riot on the beach, and... Wait a minute. I thought they evacuated the city. Well, can't get everybody... These guys look like the, the one guys from like these guys might be, you know, the ones that were running the military operate, you know, stayed behind. Either that or they're just the common folk. They evacuated all the important people. They, these guys look pretty well dressed. And and what's his name? The junk dealers there. Right. He's from sort of the snobby end of the end of town. Although I don't I like this. It's pretty intense because in the theater, I remember watching this thinking, what are they possibly going to do? You know, he's got an infinity stone. They can't stop him. That's where you're supposed to be. That's, yeah, that's that's how I, it was pretty intense. You have to. That's how these stories work. You got to get to the point of where it's like all is lost. Now, I seriously thought that this scene would catch a lot of shit from people. And it, I'm, I'm glad that everybody seems to love it. Because I loved it, and I was dying Like I laughing. said, lesser actors, lesser movie that didn't build to this. This could have been really it's stupid. It's not even him. It's Ronan's reaction. <laughs> what are yeah. you doing? I it's his reaction that sells it. <laughs> He's just like, what the hell is going on? Because it's like the last thing... I know you don't like bullet time, but I think it works to masterful effect in this. Part. I don't. I don't. I, I, love don't have that. An, I don't have an all 
That's great. All encompassing hate for bullet time, but yeah, there's there's a time and a place for it, and this is it because you have to show something that something actually w relevant to the story happened in that half second right. that you had to see. Whereas instead of showing off like this is a really cool fight here, you know, see how many people he just kicked in bullet time. This was like I love that. See, I keep I love the shots they keep showing of Ronan in that kind of stop. You know, it's almost like time has stopped. Yeah, probably has to look. some extent, and he's just like, yeah, okay, have a taste of power there. The music in this portion is just—it's beautiful. It keeps bringing in the theme. See, again, this is the scene that really got me to thinking even more strongly about the. Uh, the moon dragon thing. Mm. Man, his face takes a beating in this movie. <laughs> he's, he he gets some cracked in. He's got some cracked skin, dry and flaky skin. Ah, a little moisturizer would be all right. Ow. That's hot. Everybody kind of gets the uh, Tron Legacy treatment here. Yeah. That's great. I love the music and the... Oh, my God. It just gets me pumped up. I love been, that. It could have been so cheesy. We're the Guardians of the Galaxy. The oh, I love it. <laughs> so what I'm wondering here is, does he kill him? Or does he just make him go away? Well, it's a comic book movie. Because <laughs> it kind of looks like he blows up, but he, he might have pulled a red skull on him and just right. you know sent him into cosmic timeout or something. Because I, I hope we do see him again. I really do. I'd like to see Ronan come back. He's a cool character, but they've 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 always got Thanos in their back pocket. Right. At who's who's a bigger bigger badder baddie. So. Well, see, I don't want to see him come back as a bad guy though. I want to see him come back, not like say in, in the very next movie, but somewhere down the road. Because I have high hopes that eventually, if this goes long and and, and wide enough. I want to see them eventually pull in, um, say, Gladiator from uh, from the Shi'ar, and I'd love to see them pull in Rom. And if they could pull in enough of those characters that made up the Annihilator team, you know, Ronan was on that team. That I, I'm telling you, man, I, I could die a happy camper because I would love to see that shit on the big screen. Can you imagine... A movie, a Marvel movie with Gladiator in it. Is that the dog standing there next to him? I never noticed that before. Was it? I think so. I didn't see it. We'll have to keep your eyes peeled here. No, it's Rocket. Never mind. It was just Rocket from a different angle. It looked like oh, he had okay. the. It looked like he had the space helmet. On. There was a dog with the space helmet, just sort of. Right. But I was like, why? Why he wouldn't be on this world anyway? That guy was a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Her reaction's very natural. Yes. He's a mess. It should be. It should be more of a mess than that. His hair should be burned off at least. <laughs> his his jacket's in great shape for. I can see, okay, you know, the power of the orb and what almost tore him apart and then restored him and stuff, but they should be maybe, uh, their clothes should be hulked out at least. Hulked out. Hulked out, or more like human torched out. Well, maybe they're unstable molecules or something. That's right, they got space clothing. There you go. Getting. That's this how you can a, no prize it. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. scene yep that's just how an animal reacts too I yep. love it yeah I like that part it's touching well it's not only how an animal reacts but it's just great it's just like you, you as a character he's like been devoid of any affection at all <laughs> I just noticed <laughs> off in the distance on the right hand side there when it showed that last shot of Xandar that actually looked like the Hulk coaster over at Universal <laughs> <laughs> that must be the amusement park on Xandar that was cool you're something very ancient that we've never seen here before shut up <laughs> yeah I want to see how that's going to play out I'm very curious about that I served her and her mother dinner once. Did you really? At our Mexican restaurant, yeah. Oh, wow. She was in a play or something in town, and it was never, you know, she's never like, I'm Glenn Close or whatever, but it was Glenn Close. And it was, you know, there was that weird moment when I was serving her where she was just like, yeah, I hope, you know, either he doesn't recognize me or doesn't say anything or whatever so i was cool right. about it but i was like i go in the kitchen everybody's like taking turns bring glasses out and stuff and going oh yeah 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 i like uh gamora's new outfit there it's very much dirty little schoolgirl. <laughs> oh yeah yeah criminal records have also been expunged however this is a good scene as well Right. I like it because I think they're just playing with him. He's he plays such a good straight. It's like he's like. Yes. Are, are they serious here? <laughs> he just looks at he looks at Quill like, is he kidding? Is he serious? <laughs> Noted. I'm going to keep an eye on him. You? Yeah. I like him. I really do. Well, him going, yeah, me, is just like Tony Stark going, I am Iron Man at the end of... Right. You know, it, it, they're not messing... He's not... He's not... We're not going to see every movie of him struggling to be the leader and to, right. you know... Uh, the, the, you're just not going to see it. He's there were he's number, who he is now. There were a number of moments in this movie that that tugged at the heartstrings, but this was the moment that got me right here. This this is a very 
This is a very emotional scene. I like this. I like the way he plays it. It's very subtle. He just, you know, you can see his eyes welling up. So she must have called him Star-Lord. Right, yeah, she did. Yeah, she at the very beginning she called him that. How does he not know what that is? <laughs> right. I always knew what was in a box set size and shape when I was a kid. Oh, it's very much like the kind of tapes I used back in the day. Yeah, the Sertrons. Yeah. Because they were cheap. You could yep. buy all those packs of them that had like six of them in them. Yep. Just sort of See, I like that. See how glassy his eyes are? I, I, I like that. It's very subtle, but it's very powerful. His mom had good taste in her AM rate yeah. hits. Hmm. I like the little smile between them. <laughs> I love this. He's just basically contemplating destroying himself by yep. opening it up. Cannot leave it cannot leave it alone. <laughs> Now, I'm wondering by this little smile, is he going to be content with that little troll doll for his console, or is he going to go after Quill? Oh, I, it him? could be go either way, because he could be just like, oh, yeah, it could be fun for him to go after Quill. See? I think it was them. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the same same little girl in the same outfit. So, yeah, he actually saved his family personally. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that was Sulu turning around. Yep. <laughs> what should we do next? Something good? Oh, I'm so ready for more. I want a spaceship. I want to fly off in my spaceship. Oh. Look at I love it. I love how it's it's somewhere between a fighter jet and a sports car. It's great. Yep. Ah, oh, so good. So so good. The Guardians of the Galaxy will return. Balls. Balls, balls, balls. <laughs> Standing ovation in the movie theater. This, this yep. part, people were just like going nuts. Yep. And it's funny because it's there's no reason why the group wouldn't want him knowing that he was alive right. and dancing around. Just messing with him. Just messing with him. <laughs> what I love is he actually looks at us too. That's great. He's like, did you see that? It reminds. This also reminds me of the Alan Moore Swamp Thing run, right? When when they first would destroy Swamp Thing, and he figured out he could come back as a little as a sprout, right. basically. Oh my god, I love this movie so much. Oh, that was so much fun. It was hard to do a commentary from because I just want to watch it. You know, yep. I just want. Let's to do it again. It. Let's rewind it and watch it again. Do another commentary. <laughs> I don't need dinner. 
You know, I I have no idea if this is going to be a good commentary or not because I, I think there were a number of points where I just got sucked in. I'm like, I just yeah, want to watch the movie. But, you know, I, I, I hope it illustrates what I said, you know, at the end of the last commentary, which was, you know, for all those people that are always giving me crap about how cynical I am and how hard I am on different franchises and different movies. There you go. I love this movie unashamedly. So there you go. I, I hope it comes across comes across fully well i don't yeah it's that's i mean it's it's not a bad thing that i'm saying this but you're not going out on a limb with that opinion i mean i there's been people who are like i the worst report i've heard of this movie and i'm sure there's people who hated it out there because there's always some some grump or someone who it's just gonna totally not be their cup of tea for some reason but like usually the worst complaint i heard about this movie was Ah, it didn't live up to the hype for me. You know, it was a good movie. I had fun, but it wasn't like the end all be all that I thought it was going to be or whatever that right. it was going to be. But that's a word. And if that's the biggest complaint, then that's not much of a complaint. And, well, just, you know, people think that now, but this movie is going, you know, 20 years from now, this is going to be one that little, you know, you're, they're going to be showing their little kids because they know they're going right. to love it. And it's going to, and it's got enough to it that each subsequent viewing you can pick up a little bit more in the background and little shadings to the characters and stuff it's just it's made for the long run you know more so just... i think than the that like than the a lot of the other marvel movies which aren't right. disposable per se but they might not age as well as this movie you know we'll, well see I how had they a number age. of I had a number of friends that waited a good long time after the movie was out. Some of them even waiting until it was out on, on DVD and Blu-ray before <clears> they <throat> saw the movie. And then after seeing it, after, you know, all that time and all the hype and all the things they heard. Now, I, I never I've never to this day heard anybody go, ah, I didn't like it or ah, it sucked or whatever. I mean, everybody I know has liked it on some level. But a lot of those friends I'm talking about were just. They, they seem kind of like unimpressed with it. It was like, eh, that was pretty good. And it's like, what the hell are you not seeing with this movie? Because it hits it all well, for it me. Hits it, I, mean, I mean, I know what you're saying because it hits it all for me too. But the, the, it's our taste. I mean, look, look at what we, were go what we were saying when we were watching. This reminds me of Empire. This reminds me of Jedi. Mm -hmm. You know, this it, it, it was reminding us of all, it was evoking all of our favorite et you know i mean we i mm -hmm. I, I mean people see us as star trek star wars fiends we were et fanatics after that movie came out i was like you know would buy up et cards and stuff and you know et t-shirts i couldn't get enough of it you know and we li listened to that tape how many times so you know i mean it's tailor-made for you and me but somebody with somebody who was into something different, it just might be. I mean, even as a genre movie, it's a it, it's just hard not to acknowledge. Look at this list of people mm -hmm. in that. It's hard not to acknowledge that. Yeah, that was a really well made movie. You know. Well, it's as I said before. I was not this jazzed up going into a movie since Tron Legacy, and I wasn't this satisfied walking out of a movie I was that jazzed up for since Empire honestly and Empire I mean Jesus Christ that was 35 years ago yeah 
but I, I'm serious as a heart attack. I, I just, it, it hits, it hits that Star Wars button for me. And, and I didn't really realize how that button hasn't been hit that good since Empire. Right. It, I mean, I hit. love Return of the Jedi, but even that one didn't hit that Empire button the way this one does. I, I think after Jedi, like the Star Wars button stopped getting hit for the entirety of Star Wars media. Like, so you would watch the 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 prequels and the and the Clone Wars and stuff like that, and you would get bursts of it. Where you'd go, okay, there's moments, some yeah, there's moments. some Star Wars right there, you know. Right. And uh, but it would be it would be a thing that ha- you know just sort of a thing that happened this this in tot- this is yeah this is the first movie uh, since then that's in totality hit that you know when you're done with it it isn't just a few moments that were really good that made the movie better it's it, you know there's those moments in there but they're basically all the moments right and it, it does. It, it, it works delivers start a satisfying level for me. Yeah, it, it sends you out without going. Well, that fizzled out at the end, or you know, I love the middle of that movie. It it. This movie immediately jumped to my top five list of of co- favorite comic book movies, and it might even wow. be in the top three. Wow, it's it's right up there with the best of them. I, I absolutely love it. I have not rewatched a movie this much since the the original Star Wars trilogy. Here you go, Chris. Huh. Here's your moment, Finally. man. Finally. Finally. See, I was geeking out just that it was Cosmo come back. I thought this was the scene. That finally, there's an end to one of these. That. Awesome. <laughs> made for me awesome made for me and i love the shout out to steve grover and uh val merrick that's awesome ah i want a howard the duck movie you can do a howard they're coming out there's a new howard the duck comic coming out dude i have it they can make guardians of the galaxy work for people that not knew not jack shit about them going into the theater they could make a. They could now make with the goodwill they fostered. They could now make another Howard the Duck movie, and they wouldn't have to worry about the stink of the old one, right? You know, uh, uh, affecting it. I really believe that. That's the power of this movie. That's why the people that keep asking, "Why are you so excited? Why, why do you care so much about?" That's why, right there. It's. It's not even about the Guardians per se. It's about the magic trick that this movie pulled off, which was taking. Uh, a cast full of nobodies that that even hardcore fans that knew who they were honestly didn't give two shits about right. them but turning it into a Star Wars level thing that's what it's about and that that goodwill that they fostered by doing that means that there's no longer anything that's off the table there's no corner of the Marvel universe too ridiculous for them to try to tackle at this point that's what has me so excited about this movie that i I just think that's awesome i was almost gonna throw up nacho the clown out there but you know what you You could could buy a tv show a tv set and see the obnoxio the clown show on a tv show and him spraying like spraying like seltzer water in stanley's face and it would be perfectly fine 
I think you could make that work. If, if you did something like that special that was out, and we, what was it, Obnoxio the Clown versus the X-Men? <laughs> they could make that work. They could totally make that work. I really believe that. So, I, yeah. I, and, and people long out after the movie was out. And... That was maddening for me because, of course, I when I saw Guardians for the first time in the theater, I saw it on an advanced preview. That was the only thing that they didn't include right. in the preview was the tag scene at the end because they didn't want us spoiling it. Or at least that's my theory, anyway, of why it wasn't in there. So every everything else of the movie was there. You know, the full opening, the full movie, the full credits, everything. But the Howard the Duck scene at the end was not included in our preview. So... Then the movie actually comes out and debuts, and I couldn't go to the actual opener. And I was scared to death that somebody was going to spoil it for me, and, and then it started to pop up all over the internet. You couldn't avoid it. It was everywhere. That, that That's what the, you know, the scene was at the end of it. But it just got me that much more excited, and of course it got me to go and shell out once again. I, I'm trying to think I how stood, many, I think I, I stood I up and did a times. slow clap. It, it, you know what was sad about it? We saw Guardians, Scott 2.0 and I saw Guardians in a packed theater, ideal circumstances, a packed rowdy theater of people who were like cheering and having fun at the right moments. There were six or seven people left by the time Howard the Duck came on. Have people not learned at this point? You don't exactly. leave a Marvel movie. Exactly. Maybe Even they were the thinking of it as not- a Marvel movie because it didn't have... But I don't know. It seemed like the people who were there were the people who were seeing the Marvel movies. They should know. They left. They left. That's, and we were sitting yeah, there going, really weird. what is, you know, you know, sometimes you sit at a movie and you go, all right, am I making an idiot? Am I sitting here? You know, right. I got really got to take a piss. You know, I hope this pays off. And then the and then the lights come up and you go, oh, I guess nothing on this. You know there's going to be one on the Marvel movies. You know it. It's part of we're, it. We're at that point now where I think that there's more more moviegoers that are annoyed at the end, like kind of like we were with Dawn, where you get all the way to the end of the credits and there's not a tag scene at the end. I think it's now become a thing to where people are more annoyed than than not when there's not something at the end of it. Because I know I am. If it's, a, if it's a sci-fi genre film... And they don't have something at the end of them now. I get a little pissed off about. It. It's okay. like, come on, are you not paying attention to the new the new trend? That's what you know. Everybody has the Nick yeah, Fury. Yeah, but that's now. gonna eventually date them too at some point, unless we yeah. unless it happens forever and ever. Nah, I think I think that's forever just the way after. it's got to be now. They just have to be that way now. At least if it's a franchise, maybe you know if it's like a one off type of thing, then yeah, that that's a little silly. But if it's something where you know there's going to be follow-up movies and there's going to be sequels and all, yeah, why not throw a little something at the end of it? Even if it's something kind of silly and ridiculous, throw a little something at the end of them. Well, I, I, I definitely am granting that it, that it helps with your with your uh, franchise too, mm-hmm. especially when you're smart with it, like the Marvel movies, and they do it. It reminds me in a lot of ways of the when they did. And I know almost nothing of this, and you're devoting like huge amounts of time to a podcast about uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Right. I remember, I remember like the DC comics that I did read. There were all sorts of little piecemeal things happening. Oh yeah, every comic. Well, yeah, you you totally know it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, but that's what those sort of reminded me of. They were like, here's something a little related to this story but totally not 
might show up in the next movie, but it might not. It might be something three movies down the line we're gonna need. Right. But here's something that's here's something that's coming up. Here's something that's in the hopper, exactly somewhere, and a clue to where the story's going. So that's exactly. always great for building, you know, world building and building anticipation of the next movie. That's the thing I like about this particular tag scene at the end, because on the surface of it, it might almost seem like a cheat, like, oh, well, that didn't tease anything of the next movie or that didn't expand the story. But you're you're missing kind of the point for one it's a statement. It's a, yeah, it is. The movie's a statement. Yeah, it was just like it just kept underlining and underlining and that, underlining the statement. That yeah, was, that was the big exclamation and, point on the statement right there, which is nothing's off the table. Yeah, and then at the end they were like, oh, by the way, and then they flip you off. Howard the duck. <laughs> Howard the freaking duck. I stood up yep. and did the... Yep. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes. And you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fan. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.